side note, my I when I said you were coming over, I told my roommates, and they were like, "Oh, Paul Cervillo on Twitter, like uh-huh. he's so famous." <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, they they were like, "I guess he's well known in the Twitter sphere." Interesting. In the northeastern Twitter hmm. Twitter sphere, you have good tweets. I don't know. I don't Thank follow you. you on Twitter. Hi, my name is Sophia, and this is I Don't Know Any Straight People Anymore, in which I talk to queer people I know, and you have to listen to it. Today, I'm here with Paul. How are you doing, Paul? I'm feeling good. I also didn't know that was the name of the podcast, and I really like that name. (laughs) There were a couple options that we were throwing around for a minute, and I like this one. It's a bit long, but I've committed, so here we are. Yeah, so welcome. Do you want to introduce yourself yeah my name is paul i use he him pronouns i identify as queer yeah i live in boston no nothing really else to the intro (laughs) cool um so paul and i met because we both have the same major at college environmental science and yeah so we have remained friends ever since yeah so i'm really excited to talk today because this is something that we've never talked about before and so i'm just i'm just excited to hear what you have to say so so just to start off like you want to talk a little bit about your identity or like how you identify and then if you want to share the journey that you took to get there yeah so right now i identify as queer i like that term because to me it's all encompassing there's really no exact written down definition of what it means. I kind of think of it similar as LGBTQ, but kind of easier to say in some sense, but also just how I identify, not like only the people I sleep with, but also the like type of person I am, if that makes sense, like the way my values and what I hold as a person that's changed like how I identify earlier through like bi and gay but right now I've settled on queer because I like how it is a label that also kind of functions as a non-label it doesn't box me into a certain part of the LGBTQ community and if I'm not limited by like some certain definition I don't have to like try and form myself to any other Mm -hmm. label oh that's great yeah I I feel similarly about it. I think I used to not identify with queer because I felt like I wanted to be very boxed in because I was like, I need I need definition in my life. And now mm-hmm. I've like felt more comfortable with it. Yeah, that's great. So you, you mentioned that you like started out differently like mm-hmm. or identifying differently. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I guess the easiest way is I can just like start from the beginning of like the, the journey of coming out. In a more abstract sense, when I was little, like, and you hear about this a lot with, like, more, like, mask or, or, like, men people think realizing that they're gay or queer when they're little, like, when they're in the underwear aisle at, like, Kohl's and you're walking past, you're like, hmm, let me stand in this aisle just a little bit longer. I don't know why, but who knows? And like little things like that, I look back on now and I'm like, oh, now that makes sense why I was doing things like that. 
um, or like why I was drawn to certain characters in TV. You have an example. <laughs> um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. Like everybody in. I remember Tim Curry in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky, mm-hmm. the like actual character of Rocky. I just like liked them and I liked their characters and I was like. I want to be their friend. They seem really cool. I think of that as a quote-unquote like sexual awakening. Yeah. But the first time I like vividly remember of these feelings are not just, oh, I want to be their friend. Oh, I want to be like them was I was a freshman in high school and I had just joined the thespians, like our theater club and everyone wanted to make new friends like we were all hanging out all the time after school we were all meeting each other and i invited a bunch of people over to my house we did something probably like played a board game or watched a movie and my friend dean clavonis i'm still like best friends with him to this day i saw him and the rest of my friends yesterday uh-huh. uh, when i was home in new york he was the only out gay person i knew at the time and i had known him previously but he had only come out pretty recent at this time that we were hanging out and I realized something was different where we were hanging out and all my friends left and I was like oh I want to be friends with them like I'm happy that we had this experience and then Dean left and like something felt different of having him in the space and then him leaving I I was like I'm so sad that he's not here right now and I don't know why I there's like something about him. I want him to stay and I want to hang out with him and I don't know what it is, but mm. like something felt different about my connection to him at the time versus my connection to my other new friends. And I remember like sulking on the couch for like two hours. I laid down on the couch with my mom in the living room and just like faced like, imagine this is the like back of the couch and I'm just like smushing my face into the corner and that was for like two hours and my mom ended up asking like paul are you okay and i was like i'm tired um (laughs) and then i look back on that as like dean was the first person where i was like oh that's attraction yeah yeah wow that's so that's so like visceral not just because you explained it but like i you know I, i know that feeling and i feel like i haven't really heard it explained that way before like the absence of someone makes you realize something Mm -hmm. wow yeah and i've also never told him that so i've told him that like he was my like sexual awakening but never that That exact story story. yeah i was gonna i was wondering like oh do you want to like change the name here like do you want him to know (laughs) i i think he'll find it really funny because we've i I can talk about this later if we want to but we've had we've grown in our relationship yeah yeah, um but yeah that was i was 14 I didn't come out until I was 18. Okay, yeah. Um, So there were four years where it was just, no, I just want to be like them. I just want to be friends with them. Oh, just in like the simplest term, burying those feelings because I didn't want them to be true for Mm -hmm. so long. And it's so weird thinking back on that because I was in theater. Everybody, well, not everybody, but so many people were out and like, proud to be out and proud to be who they were but something me i was like no i'm gonna bury these feelings i'm not gay i'm straight i only love women and i remember my like friends would joke about it like oh paul you're just like not out yet blah 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 and that went on for all of high school and i look back on that like when i had first come out and i don't like get mad at my friends for it but now i try and 
even if I think someone is queer or if I think someone is closeted, I never want to be that person to tell them, oh, just give it a couple years and you Mm. will be. It's like it's their own journey to figure that out. Because I remember how uncomfortable it made me and how much more it like pushed me into the closet. Like even if I knew they were going to be so accepting because they were out, they they did all of these artistic things. They were so different. But them just like forcing it onto me and just be like, just come out, just come out made me want to do it less. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And I've been very conscious of that, like in recent years, because I think there was probably a time when I was one of those people like saying like, oh, you're just this person's just not out yet. Ha ha ha. And like having had a lot of queer friends who I don't know, like a lot of my friends in college ended up as were, were like started out being straight and like now they're not, which is part of the name of the podcast. Mm. <laughs> but like it like me saying something was not going to force them along any faster. And I feel similarly about people who joke about like the one straight friend in a queer friend group that's like, haha, you're like the token straight. Like, I don't like that mm-hmm. because I'm like sim- similarly to how assuming someone is queer and forcing that on them is problematic i think it's also a problem to like assume that someone is straight even if they're like like identifying that Mm -hmm. way to like make a point of bringing it up all the time like i think that that's like i don't know i think that that also rubs me the wrong way these days Mm because there's so many people who i think like if they're like that's something that's put on them and they don't want and and it gives doesn't give them room to explore something different yeah and i think it divides like a friend group into like those two factions yeah. if you will and like back on the people joking about oh you're just not out yet i don't think anyone or at least with my own experience none of them had like malicious intent to I don't do think it people generally yeah. do yeah it was just like we were like 14 15 16 it's like what are you gonna do no one yeah, yeah. forgive we're... yourself and your friends for what you did at that age <laughs> yeah yeah throughout high school i i was like very I think it also had to do with I was very insecure in high school and also like from a family perspective, my family was never like hateful towards queer or gay people at all. But it was like just little comments, I think, that helped like cement it in for those years, Mm -hmm. like little things of my dad would call my friends weird if they acted in a very like flamboyant way. I have like a vivid memory of the color run. My mom and I were going to the color run and I tucked my shirt in and she was like, oh, take it out. You're going to look gay. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like those little things where they didn't, they were, I try and like forgive them in that sense of they were raised in a different time on like pretty conservative Long Island and knowing them now they've grown so, so much. And I like, I'm happy and glad that they've done that. So obviously I wish they didn't do that, but I'm happy that, they look back on those times and are like, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. But yeah, though, the experiences like those, I think are also what helped kind of delay the yeah. coming out process. And what I had originally said of, I was just very, very insecure in high school. I was not confident about myself in like any aspect. So like what made me think that I was confident enough to say, I'm gay, I'm bi, I'm yeah. queer. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like stick with the status quo and what other people think of me. I'm, I've made it long enough that way. Let me continue that way. Because it adds a layer of like, you're just drawing attention to yourself, mm-hmm. and it, that's that's scary if you're already insecure about yourself. Mm-hmm. 
but there were still so many times where I look back and I like it would like pop out in like little things I said or how I reacted to people or I mean we were in like we had the boys dressing room and like I would catch myself like blushing if I walked in there I'm like what why am I uh, why am I doing this why am I doing this no so like it was always there yeah and my friends would catch me doing it too and they point back to them and they were like sometimes they would outwardly say Paul what were you just doing like are you gay? Um, and be like, no, 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 no. I'm just nervous. I'm anxious. Blah, 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 blah. And I would give like some crap excuse. Yeah. I had a, I guess moving along, had a girlfriend in high school. I always toss back and forth of like, and this is some, mm, I think, yeah, I think something that delayed the process of coming out have, was having my first girlfriend because like we did like have sex and I like we were able to have it and I had a good time, I remember. And I think I used that as an excuse to like push it farther along. Like, oh, I have this girlfriend and we're doing like these things that straight people do and I'm not having a bad time doing it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, obviously I'm not gay. Obviously I'm not queer. Like, look, here's true hard evidence that all of you guys can like shove in your faces. Yeah. And evidence for yourself. Yeah. 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 I can understand how that would delay things. I feel like I had a, a similar, like, I mean, not in, like, having, I did, I never had a boyfriend, but I feel like being queer is just, like, looking back at your life and, like, figuring out how basically every single thing is, like, oh, that should have been a sign, that should have been a sign, that should have been a sign. Not for all people, but I think for some. And I think, like, there were definitely moments that I, like, I knew in early high school but I just didn't want to think about it. So I didn't until like, I, I think it was around like late junior year of high school and I came out and like, it really took until then for me to come to terms with it. And so it's like, and there are things that just delay it. And I, I think back to like, just things that kids would say on the bus, like dismissive comments mm-hmm. that weren't even directed at me, but were just generally like, yeah. that's what it's like to grow up in this society. And, like, they're the children of their parents, so they were repeating the things that their parents Mm -hmm. grew up with. And, yeah, it it was never directed specifically a lot of times at me or other, like, closet, sometimes at outwardly gay people that I was friends with. But, yeah, it was just, like, ingrained into just, like, some way to, like, tell someone that they were bad or stupid or weird, but, like, use gay Mm -hmm. instead. Yeah. Or, like, the F word. Yeah. So yeah, went through high school, my girlfriend and I broke up, came, that was junior year, and then senior year was good, and like, I continued like, making out and hooking up with some other girls on our thespian troop, and I kept using that as evidence of like, I wasn't having a bad time, but it wasn't ever something that I explicitly made happen, it was usually someone else who initiated it, and I was like, let me go along with it, mm-hmm. um, and because it wasn't like a super negative experience for me. I used that further to just like, mm-hmm. I'm never going to come out. Um, but then I got to college, <laughs> went to Greece, Greece. I did NUN. So that was first semester of college. And that's kind of irrelevant. Nothing really happened there, but then came to Northeastern in the spring. And it was the first time I was like alone in the sense of no one else knew me. No one had these like preconceived notions 
of who I was. And I had joined an acapella group called the Downbeats and Malika, who you know. Malika's awesome. <laughs> um, was like so outwardly themselves, like just so proud to be who they were and like was just very accepting. And I don't necessarily think Malika like was the reason I came out, but I see them as someone who I didn't have any thought in the back of my brain of, I, I, I see like implicitly they helped me realize of just like, I can be who I want to be. And like, it doesn't mm. matter really in a, the very like simplest sense. But also I think by the time I got to college in that spring, I got like, I think I just got tired of it. And I was like, there's like, if I ever want to live a life where I'm not so anxious all the time and like having to hide my phone, like if someone asked for my phone, I would get so nervous because I would be so afraid that they would like find something in my search history or like Mm -hmm. someone I followed and that would like the cookie would crumble. Wow. Um, Yeah. Like just being so anxious all of the time about little minute things like that. I think I got just so tired of it. And I was like, this is a new life. This is like a new point in my life. Let me just accept myself. Uh And in the spring of that year, so this that was spring 2019. That was when I finally came out to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I like finally accepted like, okay, like I I like men. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to deal with it and it's going to be like fun and good and we're going to grow. Yeah. Um, So I came out to myself as bi at that time. I honestly don't remember like when in spring Mm -hmm. it was, but yeah, I just reached a point where I I was tired of lying to myself. um, And that felt like a weight off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. Then the first people I came out to were my two friends, Carmen and Rihanna. I was coming home for spring break and I was like, I know these are my two best friends. I know I like finally accepted that they're not going to hate me. They're not going to think I'm weird. They're not going to think differently of me. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that was the hardest part or the biggest hurdle for me to get over is how do people perceive me? How is that going to change when I come out to them? Yeah. Because I, even now, like, I'm like, how do people perceive me? Like what, what image of me do, do I fill in their minds? And mm-hmm. I still like toss and turn over that sometimes with people and with my best friends who I had known for years and years and years that I I would have, I don't want to say I died because that's <laughs> like very much unnecessarily intense word, but I, I would have been like so depressed if they saw me just differently. Yeah. So came home from the train station. I was so ready to come out to them right when I got into the car when they were going to pick me up. But my other friend's cousin was also in the oh, car. No. And I was like, <laughs> fuck okay we're gonna have to wait because i can't i had met this like this girl twice i was like she's not gonna be the first person i come out to i want this to be a special (laughs) moment so i waited we hung out that night like we did whatever we did that night i don't remember um and then carmine and rihanna drove me home we were stopped in front of a stoplight right next to this antique shop that was literally like from hoarders on TLC. And I told them, guys, I have to tell you something. I'm not straight. And I look back on that of, I still wasn't fully accepting of myself because mm-hmm. I couldn't say I'm bi. I yeah. had to say I'm not straight, which is still like dodging around the point a little bit. But I still saw it as like 
a hurdle that I oh, finally yeah. got over. Uh-huh. They were silent for like 10, 15 <laughs> seconds because, and I asked them about it and they said it was because for so long I had said, no, I'm straight. No, no, no. You guys are wrong. Yeah. And so they finally just accepted it. They're like, okay, I, I, he's telling the truth. And that I like finally said it. They were like shocked. Wow. Yeah. I, I really, wow, that's a, you remember you, the antique store parked in front mm-hmm. of, wow. I remember that <laughs> whole day yeah. so vividly. Yeah. It's a big day. Saying it out loud meant it, it's so different from saying it in your head because when you say it out loud, you're putting it into existence and like, you can't take that back. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, and that's exactly how, how I felt. And I feel like that's so much of what coming out has become in society is like, it's a declaration you make mm-hmm. and- or at least the way like mainstream society views it. It's like a declaration you make and it's, it is how it is and you're very mm-hmm. confident about it and nothing about it is going to change. And that's just not true. And I think in the queer community, yeah. at least we're like becoming more excited and happy when people are like, so maybe this is maybe how I feel. And people mm-hmm. are like, yeah, woo, go, go you. Yeah, no, everything about what you just said is so relatable, especially like being scared that people see you differently. Um, Mm -hmm. that is something that was a big deal for me because I was like, I don't want, do people, like, I want people to understand that I haven't changed. Yeah. This is just something that's part of me, but it's not, it doesn't make me different. I'm going to be the same person I always was. And like to add on to that, I think I was so scared about them seeing differently, seeing me differently because I was so insecure about who I was and how people saw me. I had spent so long and so much energy like curating this image that I like put out into the world and Mm -hmm. how I wanted people to think of me and how I wanted people to connect with me that now saying this would completely destroy what I had spent all of high school like trying to build yeah like this image of myself wow yeah I remember that day after I said it did not feel good I felt like so crappy Mm. after I did it I still I've like thought about that a lot. Why I, it didn't feel like this like catharsis. I just kind of like sunk into my chair after I told them and I was quiet like the rest of the ride home. I think because I, even though I had accepted it, I still didn't think of it as a necessarily good thing. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I am queer. I'm gay. I'm bi, but it's not necessarily the best thing that I could be in life. Mm, mm -hmm. And it took me a while to change that. But I, the first family member I'd come out to was like three days after that. Mm. Um, My friend Carmine was coming on spring break with me. We were going to Florida to visit. My my family was in Florida at the time. And the only person I came out to on that trip was my mom. She was picking up shells on the beach. I decided that after that first time, I didn't want it to be like a planned thing. I Mm. wanted it to be, if this is the right time, if somehow, some way, like, I feel, okay, I'm going to, like, tell this person, then I would tell them. Because usually if I try and plan something really important that's making me nervous, I'm not going to do it. Because then it gives me a lot of time to, like, mull over and think of, like, think of a bunch of possible negative scenarios. And then I won't end up doing it. Um, So with my mom, just, like, something told me, I was like, okay, it's time to tell her. Because I knew she, like, is very happy on the beach. She was, like, picking up really fun and funky shells. So I went up to her with my friend Carmine because I wanted to use him as, like, 
a deflecting pad, mm-hmm. if that made sense. Of like, there's this third party here where she can't necessarily say the worst thing if she was going to. Mm. And I told Carmine, act like I didn't come out to you because I wanted my, like, this is selfish, but I wanted my mom to think that she was the first person mm. I came out to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, I've told her since that was false. Yeah. And I apologize to her about that. What I remember her saying, apparently, she, we've talked about this a lot. She doesn't remember saying but i remember telling her mom on by and she said your dad's not going to be happy about that she says she never said that and i do see there could be i could be misconstruing it a bit yeah that's just personally what i remember and i remember she told me like i accept you but i'd rather you be fully gay she like Mm. thought she was like the very stereotypical like it's just a phase you're gonna end up choosing one or the other she thought it was like harder for bisexual people because of like preconceived notions yeah that's rough yeah it was weird not what i expected from my mom Mm -hmm. now she's literally the most like accepting person Mm -hmm. and i'm very glad she's grown she like always asks me if i'm seeing someone i never tell her if i do um (laughs) but she always like wants to know about like gay culture and stuff like that yeah she had come up to me like i was laying in bed that day and she like climbed into the bed with me and like gave me a hug and said like sorry if i made you feel any way by that reaction Mm -hmm. but even to this day and i do agree with her now she is like still a bit irked that i brought carmine Mm. my friend along for something that should have been like a very tender like mother-son moment yeah yeah it, it's hard to like tell what the right move is in that scenario because it's like you didn't know what she was gonna say mm-hmm. and like maybe it wasn't great to bring him along into it but also if you didn't feel comfortable without him there like that's that's up to you how you do it so mm-hmm. yeah that's still something that's so hard about coming out even what what has it been four years later like if someone doesn't accept me i'm not going to be their friend yeah that's like very blatant but it's still hard every time of i'm not gonna like shake someone's hand and go hi i'm paul i'm queer like that's i'm not gonna do that Uh unless i'm at like some sort of like (laughs) circle or club you know but if i like think oh i really like this person like we're really clicking we're getting along we have a lot of things in common once that point comes along where i mention like oh i went on this date with this guy or i'm queer there's still a part of me of, oh, I've known you for this short amount of time. Like, am I going to have to now lose this connection mm-hmm. because you are bigoted and don't like queer people? Yeah. Like every single time still. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I feel that too. And I think that's something that like is not really, again, talked about in mainstream is like that it's like just constant coming out all the time. It's not like you make one big announcement that everyone knows. And and also like the, the anxiety that you're talking about that comes with that. Because I remember freshman year, I met someone in in one of my like music classes freshman year of college and we went to get lunch at the dining hall as you do as a freshman and he was talking and he said like oh i'm like pretty religious and i go to church a lot and i was like ah so i like spent a lot of the meal like not even listening to what he was saying just like trying to figure out like like is he a bigoted Uh religious person is he like a file because that could go either way and then i eventually like we were becoming closer so i like told him and he was like super accepting and like super like it was not a problem Mm -hmm. 
but uh, and then I afterwards I was like I was really working myself up about that one person and now I think like in the circles I run in it's a lot easier to tell because I think it's more likely for me to run to be around people that are accepting than uh, those that are not and for me to gravitate towards those people Um, but it still is a scary thing Mm -hmm. for people you don't know yeah and I definitely agree with that with just like where we are now living in Boston like post grad it's going to be hard to find someone who's not accepting of us especially based on like the circles yeah that we're in. it's a um, bit of a, a boston queer bubble totally but yeah my mom was the first family member i came out to i ended up coming out to all my friends they were like yay we always knew which like still irked me a bit but yeah. at, at the time it did but i was happy that they were like very accepting uh-huh. we went along on our merry ways it was just like a sigh of relief that I didn't need to like hide yeah. anymore. And I, I still was working on, cause I had spent so long in the closet. I had like masked certain things I said or like certain things I liked. So it still took a lot of time, like coming out of that mm. closet. I, I had literally said, Oh, I, at the time, Oh, I'm bi, but there were still, like ways that I wanted to act and things I wanted to like that I still had that like internalized yeah homophobia do you have any examples of that I don't want to give like a time frame because I don't remember but I remember at least soon after I came out I still couldn't call like other guys hot or that I was mm-hmm. like attracted to them because that was just like further yeah. cementing myself in it yeah that, like yeah. I would I would never be able to take that back I think that was probably the main thing yeah, and I it find took that relatable too. <laughs> yeah, and just like dressing certain ways. I remember I would start wearing like stereotypical gay clothing a bit more, and I would like walk into like a hangout, and my friends would be like, "Oh, Paul, you look so gay," and that like now I know that was like genuinely they were like trying to be like gay or like being like funny, but I felt even though I was out, I felt it as an insult. Mm-hmm. At the time, there was like a little twinge. Mm. So it still took a while to like get okay with things like that. But after I came out to my mom, it took three years to come out to the next family member. Wow. And to this day, I I still feel bad about how long I made my mom keep it a secret. Uh, the next person I came out to is my brother, Derek, who he's, he's literally the funniest about it. I came out to him. I don't remember if it was 2020 or 2021, but it was still like when the pandemic was raging um and we were out gardening in the backyard i've noticed (laughs) now i did it with with all my like nuclear family i've done it in places where they were like at their happiest Mm. which i kind of see it now as like a shield of i wanted to catch them at like a good moment yeah Um, well i mean it's a shield but it's like it's a scary thing to do so like yeah but my brother's his literally his only question was oh that's so cool are you still gonna have kids because he just wants a really big family. Oh. <laughs> like, he's going to have, like, f- he's told me he wants five or six children. Wow. He wants, like, running around the whole house. <laughs> I told him, I was like, that was the best reaction you could have had. Yeah. And now, to this day, he still, he asks so many questions about it. He asks about, like, what is gay sex life like? What is gay culture like? What are your friends like? What is, and I love it. I love talking to him about uh-huh. it. That was 2021. Then came out to my other brother and my dad pretty recently actually my yeah my other brother (laughs) i came out to over the summer i was out to 
brunch in Montauk, if you know where that is on Long Island, mm-hmm. with him and um, his girlfriend, now his fiance. I already shake. Fun fact, I feel like you know this, like my handshake. I was could not pick up food, and I told them, and literally he went, okay. And his girlfriend went, yeah. Because we share very common, like, musical and, like, pop mm. culture interests. <laughs> so, like, we both love, like, Phoebe Bridgers, Paul Mezcal, not, like, yeah. like, Boy Genius, all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. So, like, I guess she assumed from that there was, like, yeah, a possibility. Yeah. And then my dad was actually in November. Wow, that's very It recent. took a really... Recording in, in February. Yeah. It took a really long time to come out to my dad for so many reasons mainly because i i assumed that he was gonna have the worst reaction my dad is the most conservative in the family mm-hmm. he still is like very ignorant on a lot of social issues especially like lgbt queer like gender mm-hmm. um issues that i definitely don't agree with him about but because of all of that I automatically assumed he's going to have a bad reaction. Like, yeah. And what my mom, what I think my mom had said at the time, comments he had made like all throughout childhood of just like acting more feminine. I remember when I got my nose ring, he was like, I'm going to keep my comments to myself on the, like the way you look. When I painted my nails, he was like, oh, you got like, get nail polish, take that off. You look weird. Mm. When I was little, he made my mom shave off all of my hair because the curly hair made like this woman mistake me for a girl mm-hmm. when I was like three. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made my mom like shave it all off. So like, oh all God. of those things, yeah. just he's gonna have an awful reaction in November. Me and him went to a Rangers game and me and him like never hang out one-on-one. It's not something that happens super often. And I was like, we're going to have a like father son moment. And like, if I'm going to do it, this is literally the only chance I'm going to have if I ever want to be just me and him, unless I, like, go up to his room at night. Waited the whole Rangers game. They finished. <laughs> we got on the train home. We are five minutes away from pulling up to our driveway. I told him. And he went, cool, like, I, w- I want to support you in whatever way oh, I can. Oh, that's great. And, like, that, I think, was one of, like, the best things i could have heard it was such like a sigh of relief yeah to hear that and i always thought like my mom is gonna have the best reaction she's so accepting i'm like very much a mama's boy she had like kind of crappy reaction to yeah. compare to what i thought it was gonna be and then looking at how my dad reacted it was like night and day it was yeah i was very very grateful that he reacted that way wow that's um, that's that so awesome yeah the range of reactions of how people react is so it's so interesting like how do you feel about when people are just like okay cool doesn't change anything versus like oh my god that's awesome i support you because i feel like there's a sort of a difference to me at least in terms of like sort of almost indifference or like okay cool versus like that's great mm-hmm. i'm so excited or something to that tune to me, it depends on the person of like with my mm-hmm. friends from um, New York, they had known me for anywhere from since literally infancy to like middle school, high school. So they knew me one way and they knew how much I pushed back against them whenever they said I was gay. And all of them had a very like, oh my God, like, that's great. Like, I'm so happy for you. But like with my friends here in Boston and in college, they never knew me any other way. So like, except for like a small group of people that I met freshman year. Yeah. They've always just known me as out and queer. Yeah. So I don't really like personally 
find any difference in like how I react to someone if they're like, okay, cool. Versus like, oh my God, like that's great. A yeah. more like joyous reaction. Yeah. Um, and just to finish off the coming out thing with friends from Boston, I've never really had to come out to them. I came out to the downbeats and like my freshman year friends because they thought I was straight, but I really didn't find it that hard to do it to them because I just, a, a bit of a tangent coming from theater where at least in high school was so competitive, so dramatic, so toxic, like just clashing against people mm-hmm. coming to a performance group base group again in college. Cause I wanted to do performing that was just like so supportive and so accepting and just like, wanted people to be themselves and have fun because none of us were music majors we just liked to sing because it made us happy and we wanted to bond with other people who were similar i didn't find it that hard to come out to them malika was the first person i told because Mm -hmm. i I saw they were just so proud to be unapologetically themselves I, i wanted them to be the first person i told because i saw them as kind of a an example of how i wanted to be and how i wanted to like think of myself yeah that's so cool. I never, I never knew that because I, I got to know them a bit more last semester, um, mm-hmm. and I can totally see why <laughs> they would be a great person to be the first person you tell. Yeah, and then with the rest of my family, some of them I don't know if they know. I've never told them explicitly, especially because I wanted my nuclear family to be the first people who knew. Mm-hmm. Um, if it comes up, I'm gonna tell them. But like, I personally don't want to explicitly make conversation of hey, I'm queer. I want to do that with my family just because I spend every day with them. There's, I'm very close to them. But like I said, I don't, I don't want my family to think of me differently. I just want it to be like another thing that happens to be personal to me. Mm-hmm. And I think if I make an explicit conversation about it, they might think of me a bit differently. Yeah, yeah. Especially because some of my family members I know have like thoughts towards gay yeah. and queer people. I'm grateful that most of them are not that way. Most of them are very accepting, but... Yeah, it really is, like, depends on the person kind mm. of thing. Because I, like, I realize, like, I haven't come out to a lot of people on my dad's side of the family. Not because I don't think they'll be accepting, just because it has not come up. Yeah. And at this point now, I'm like, well, this is a pretty big part of my life. I want them to know, especially um, I'm going to be releasing a podcast that's <laughs> literally about it. So I'm going to have to tell them soon, but... It's definitely like a, what, like, what am I supposed to do? Call a family meeting? Like, I don't know how to do this. Stand up at Thanksgiving, drink the glass. Hi guys, I have an announcement. I'm gay. (laughs) And that's it. process of coming out wow thanks for sharing that that's um it it, again like this is what i find every time is that there's so many things that are like i personally relate to that things that i don't relate to but i've heard other people talk about and then things like i've never heard before so that's like i don't know everyone's experience is unique and that's thank you so much for sharing it yeah i that was the first time i think i told it from beginning (laughs) Beginning to to end end. (laughs) but it feels good to like have that out yeah and spoken 
did it feel good to talk about it? Yeah. I liked in a very like simple and happy sense, like going through memory lane of like literally like a movie of yeah. rolling through it in my mind, but also getting to talk about things that I and process things that I've thought about in my mind, but never put into uh-huh. words. It's cool. Specifically, like, like I- I've always thought about how each of my family members reacted differently, but I've never really told it to mm, anyone. I've told mm-hmm. like specific reactions to yeah. my friends, but I've never like compared it and really seen how different yeah. each of them were. Yeah. And how much my expectations were not met, which I'm <laughs> yeah. very happy about. I'm kind of curious about you've sort of been like identify as bi and then gay and then queer. Um, I'm curious to hear more about what that means to you and like how that evolution has sort of happened if that's something you want to talk about yeah i originally i've also like never said this out loud i originally came out as bi not because i thought i was bi but because because i thought it was like better than Mm. gay if i still liked woman so like as part of it then like somehow i was still like fulfilling that like what I thought at the time was like most masculine or like what my family wanted still like in my mind, even though I had come out, I was like, I feel bad saying it out loud. But at the time I still thought of straight as somehow like better at the time because of Mm -hmm. so many years of internalized homophobia. I was like, Oh, I'm bi. At least I'm not gay. Yeah. So that like, that's why genuinely I chose it at the time Mm -hmm. because I, I couldn't not accept liking, like, mask people and men at the time, but I, I, like, couldn't accept being fully gay. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there is a difference between the, like, one label and the other. Mm-hmm. Like, even though I think there's a lot of conversation about doing away with labels now, it is still a big deal, like, whether you're going to go, like, have the, op- like, putting a label on yourself that theoretically gives you an option to conform to society mm-hmm. standards and one that places you completely outside of that and then like even until like for most of it i've always still had that tinge of oh yeah i'm bi i'm queer but i i'm still not fully a hundred percent gay because like for so long i i, I still had that i the only way to describe it is internalized homophobia of and i feel so like shitty saying it out loud but you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, there, there, that's pretty much all there is to it. Um, and now I like the term queer because of how much of a non-label yeah. it is of I can just like be with who I want to be with and there doesn't need to ha- be that label attached to it. Yeah. I can be with anybody. It doesn't need to be only a certain demographic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't think it should be uh, like, yeah, I'm just attracted to who i'm attracted to and a lot of times there isn't a like cut and dry explanation for why i'm attracted to that person yeah so that that's why i like yeah the term queer yeah yeah that's great i tossed around identifying with the term gay for a while but similar to what i was saying before i didn't like personally how it only limited me to Mm -hmm. like i only sleep or like date or be with this certain demographic of people mm-hmm. because there there would always be an exception to that yeah cool that's that's great insight to to know this is hard to talk about 
So I'm sorry if I'm like pausing. You're fine. I I appreciate you talking about it because I think it is it is it is hard and that it's vulnerable because it's like talking about yourself. But obviously, like being queer is not just about like who you're dating yes. and everything. And I'd love to hear more about what you think because you said earlier that like you like the term as well because it helps you like because it it doesn't just describe your dating life it also describes your just how you exist in the world i'd love to hear you speak on that a little bit i like the term queer in like the simplest terms because i also see it as a way of not having to fill certain expectations that other people have for you like people like my family they have these expectations for me how to act and i think identifying with the term queer reaffirms myself that i don't have to perform in a certain way that other people want or expect me to in like certain goals that they want me to achieve. I can just, in a very individualistic way, I can be whoever I want to be and just act not necessarily in defiance of like societal norms, but if I want to be different and if I want to present myself and act differently from those norms, I can. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's how, I, that's how I feel about it, too. I feel like it gives a license to just, like, not have to care about, this, like, expectations. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious to hear more about, like, uh, your thoughts on queer culture and, like, queer community sort of going off of that. Mm-hmm. I've really appreciated it in a lot of ways. And I had a difficult time finding it in college, Um, especially because I came out late and in the literal term I came out kind of early in college but in the way I like acted and presented myself of being like outwardly queer took me a much longer time and obviously you attract people who are similar to you because it took me a while to really own my label as queer and like begin to just act how I feel inside and present myself in the way I feel inside because it it, t- it took me a, uh, a bit longer of a time to like, find yeah. those people. Yeah, it, it took me a, um, a bit of a long time to find like a queer community where I could like be outwardly myself with other queer people. I had those people all throughout college, but they were just like people in my life and not necessarily within a community, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But now that I have like a lot of queer people in my life and a community here in Boston. It just, it feels really nice. Do you feel like you have that now, like a community of people, or do you still feel like there's like people kind of scattered throughout the people you know? Yeah, I I mishmash back and forth on it of like, I know I have a community of people, Mm -hmm. but it took me a while to find like a group, if that makes sense. Like, all throughout college, and now especially, I have so many queer people that I can talk to and hang out with and talk about these things with. But only until, like, very recently, I feel like I had a group that I, like, considered my own mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of yeah. queer people. Yeah. Because you, you mentioned before we recorded, like, you don't really, I mean, you were saying right now, too, that you don't really talk about these things that much. Yeah. Have you been talking about it more now that you have more, like, queer yeah. community? And what's that been like? Yeah, I think of... I just want to finish my thought a little bit from yeah, before. Yeah, totally. Um, 
the reason I, I like having or I know I have a queer community now is because I feel like for the first time in a long time, even well in two spaces, I'll start with the one in Boston. I can like truly act like myself and talk about the things I want to with other people without fear of judgment and fear that I might lose that connection in the way that I have it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that at home, my f- friend group has not changed since freshman year of high school. It has been the same people. And I'm like very, very grateful for that. But the queer people who are in that group, all, I think there's four of us like have r- not really come into our own queerness until very very recently Mm. and i've seen the change happen like so visibly every time i go home to visit Mm -hmm. thinking about us Mm pre-covid during covid and now it's just like so different and i really appreciate that of just like like i said with here we can act we, we can just act like ourselves act really weird and be able to express ourselves in ways that mm-hmm. we want to without yeah. fearing that we're going to be judged by each other. That's beautiful to yeah. see people really coming into their own. I think the pan, I don't know if you're, this is what you were implying, but like, I feel like the p- pandemic gave people a lot of time to self-reflect Yeah, and that led to people either like realizing they identified a certain way or coming into their own more within their existing identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely COVID, but it, it's it's so cool looking at like the queer community I have in Boston versus the queer community I have mm. in New York, only because I just wanted to like put in context and more concise words of I've grown up with these friends in New York and we've grown into our queerness together. And it's been so interesting to see that happen and grow together versus my queer community in Boston. Everyone I've met here and have have had in that group i don't know if it's that's the right grammar but they they were already very outwardly queer and i like found these people and became friends with them when they were already in kind of that space and filling that and that's not to say that they weren't growing as like i knew them but in a different sense because i've known my friends from home for so long and i've seen how different how how different we've been throughout the years yeah and it's also like when you're when you're around people all the time, it's harder to see changes because they're gradual. But when you don't see people all the time, like your friends from home, maybe it's like easier to see like, oh, you have you've evolved. Mm-hmm. And I, I see it biggest at home with just confidence in mm-hmm. each other, uh, especially like one of my best friends, Rihanna. They have just become so much more solid in who they are and how they like dress, how they act how they carry themselves, how they talk about, like how they talk about themselves, like Mm -hmm. the biggest thing, especially like myself too, of like, as both of us have become more accepting of who we are, I've noticed both of us have become much less self deprecating Mm -hmm. on ourselves. That's, that's beautiful. I always loved self deprecating humor, but not Mm -hmm. when it's like a shield for something else. Yeah. (laughs) That's so great to hear. I feel that way about some of my friends from high school. I think it's less less so that they've like have I see them becoming more like visibly queer but like just like the the confidence and like the owning who they are mm-hmm. is so exciting to see. I mean cuz when you know someone in high school, you know them at their 
probably one of the most insecure times of your life and so it's like it's cool to see where people land Mm -hmm. like i know for me like i the person i am in high school like sometimes i'm like wow i wish i could meet myself Uh now because i feel so i feel so much more at home in who i am and the people i'm surrounding myself with you wish you could give yourself a hug oh my god i so do it's gonna be fine Uh (laughs) yeah i was one thing i like about the community here in Boston is everybody knows each other. <laughs> like no matter how far flung they are into like geographically versus what school they went to, like it's so much smaller than you think it is. Yeah. Somehow, some way you're always like two degrees away from yeah. like every queer person in Boston. <laughs> and I really, I really love that. I mean, I, I felt that way of like, cause of, obviously we went to Northeastern. Like I feel like that, the circles that we were in like we weren't necessarily in the same mm-hmm. circle all the time but like we were it was the same like, yeah you know run into each other at a party kind of yeah. deal and like that's beautiful <laughs> and i love how here especially i don't know if it's the same thing at home because like it's so so much smaller and it's also like suburban long island yeah it's mostly families <laughs> but there's like a space for every queer person in boston Mm -hmm. if you're into like clubbing and nightlife there that's for you there's all like the diy shows like in austin that's for you if you want to do like more performance and theater stuff there are spaces for that like there like there's a niche for Mm -hmm. everybody which i really like there's the twitter space if you want to find other (laughs) queer people on twitter you can find it there i'm happy that there's a space for everybody and that's like also how i define queerness of and i keep going back to how it's like a non-label because like there's so many different ways to be it but Mm -hmm. it's somehow i I can't put it into words it's like we all have so many different interests and so many ways of like holding ourselves but there's still something that connects us Mm -hmm. and i think that's just like being unapologetically ourselves yeah i know that's like so cliche to say but but it is like I mean, if we talk about queer in an academic sense, it's like being at odds mm-hmm. with society in and in a society that doesn't want you to express yourself mm-hmm. or wants you to conform to a certain thing, like rejecting it is queer. And mm-hmm. like, that's, I, yeah, I, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Just one thing to mention that I thought was really interesting, kind of a tangent that if we want to get on, we can. My One of my friends and I were having a talk about how queer culture, at least we think, is very much dictated by online. That, that was made the like basis of the conversation. And I was thinking of, is it queer culture or is it just culture at large? Like yeah. society yeah. dominated by online. And I could be, it could just be like confirmation bias of like, obviously I have my queer friends who I see in person a lot. But the way I stay in touch with like the greater queer community in Boston is Mm -hmm. through online spaces. So it Mm -hmm. could be like a bias thing. But I I do agree in some sense in like a a superficial sense of like interests a lot of times and like trends within the queer community are dictated online. Not necessarily like values. I think those generally at their core stay the same of like supporting other people being respectful to other people being like you said at odds with like societal norms and just even if you feel like at odds and like dissonant with that you're still going to be yourself i think Mm -hmm. those values stay the same but i definitely agree i think a lot of queer culture is dictated 
by like online trends and that's like in a superficial sense yeah i mean i guess there's just like because obviously because queers like as a label and is so expansive like there's Mm -hmm. different it's not like it's it's not a monolith and i mean like i think i'm like online but not really like deeply entrenched not chronically online i am not chronically online i i hope I am addicted to my phone, but I don't know. <laughs> Are we? Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's just interesting to think about, like, what I consider to be, like, like, I don't know, probably Boston queers are very different from, like, New LA York. queer, New York yeah. queers, LA queers, I don't know. My friend, like, he goes to New York a lot, and he tells me about his experiences in New York and, like, queer circles, and it sounds, like, worlds away <laughs> from how, like, the queer community operates in Boston. Uh-huh. Wow. That's so interesting. Just in terms specifically of like how like Mm. socially. Interesting. Yeah. I've only ever really been like fully out in Boston. So I don't know what it's Mm -hmm. like in other places. I guess one negative that I find with it being dictated online this is now just me getting up on my soapbox. That's what Um, what this is. This is what this podcast is. (laughs) You're so right. (laughs) Queer people, I think, have always fought for like marginalized people and other queer people. Mm -hmm. And I think it moving into an online space has been a more negative thing. Mm-hmm. And obviously this is just like, I can't know what it was like in the seventies, eighties, nineties during like the AIDS crisis when like they were fighting for yeah. each other in person. But I think fighting for marginalized communities and other queer people online makes it much easier to just like press a button and then tweet something about how you think this person should be canceled for something they said because that's what other people are saying and then you log off your phone and then oh you you're done you did your work it didn't really take too much effort for you to like get out of bed and actually go Mm. to a protest or actually like go and like talk about this with a friend and like actually like settle it Mm -hmm. um i i I think it takes a lot of the the effort out of it interesting yeah 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 do you get the gist of yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, it's sort of like slacktivism, mm-hmm. like just doing things online instead of actually engaging with people. Um, mm-hmm. And I think obviously there is a place for it. And I think like social media and Twitter and all these other platforms have really helped with the like creating community and creating people talking about different things that maybe they wouldn't have been exposed to if they weren't online. But I, I think that's a really good point you make that it's like, if you're just tweeting your little thing and then going about your day, like it doesn't necessarily, it's not like necessarily the only thing you should be doing to like yeah. fight for marginalized groups and, and things like that. I think it makes it easier for it to become like a, a monolith of some sorts mm. where somehow like one idea online becomes the like yeah. paramount thing that every queer person should believe, especially if this is like a, a social justice way that, everyone has to agree with this one thing and if, and you if don't, you're, you're out, canceled yeah. if you're outwardly <laughs> disagreeing with it then you're canceled yeah and no, that's a, a very general statement yeah well i think there is a lot of gatekeeping and a lot of like well this is the this is the way i see it like and mm-hmm. if you disagree like that's problematic of you and that's just not always the case because mm-hmm. often there is more nuance to things I mean, you could choose to talk about this or not again, but I'm cu- I want to circle back to Dean. Yeah. Because <laughs> you sort of left that hanging earlier. I don't know if you want to make that a conversation specifically about your relationship or like if you want to just generally talk about dating as a queer person and how you feel about it. Yeah, I would love to. I can specifically talk about Dean. I 
behind after Dean for like all of high school. Oh. I was, and I've like, I've told him that I had a crush on him, but this is being 100% honest. I was in love with Dean for yeah. all, all of high school. And I think because he was the first gay person I knew and he was always the ingenue in all of our productions he was always the one to like speak up and like go against a teacher or someone else if he thought what they were saying was wrong he was very much like a leader uh-huh. in that sense that's and so I, hot uh-huh and <laughs> I was just like and a lot of the other like theater kids saw him in the same way of like a lot of people put him up on that pedestal but that just like made him more attractive in my mind he was like so kind to everybody he was like so kind to me and his friends and like really stood up for us if we were like being hurt or, yeah. or being made fun of in some way what a, what a great um, what a great person wow he's very funny and even now he's like a very inspired person He's always doing a ton of different projects, like like just going towards his dreams, no matter what anyone else tells him. He like just did a show at 54 Below that he what? directed and produced. He started his own, what do you call it, art production company wow. that like funds new shows. If That's anyone's crazy. listening to this, donate to Lines in the Sky Productions. <laughs> I'm writing it down. But yeah, Let's he's just like, notes. he's such a motivated person and he was always like that in high school and i think that's what i saw in dean and like pining is the only word i can use because i was closeted there was nothing else i could do but like what could be what yeah, if yeah he had a bunch of boyfriends in high school and i was always like in the back of my mind i was like i wish that could be me oh, i'm so jealous <laughs> um and then i came out and i think this is the funniest part i came out and then at a fourth of july party we hooked up oh my um, god after like five years it finally happened wow and we finished storybook like and i was like i i'm i don't want to do that again and they hold it over my head so much and this is like not related to being like queer i think this is just how i relate with like partners and being attracted yeah. to people and this is exactly how i describe it to them there's no other way to describe it how i didn't really want to do it again other than it felt like incest of <laughs> i knew so much about him and yeah. he, he felt like another bro like we were so close for so many years yeah. like best best friends that it felt like i was crossing some boundary yeah like something about it just felt wrong mm-hmm. it was like I, I like don't really want to do that again wow I mean, like I, what? What a finale! <laughs> Sometimes it is the things that you like, not even in like a dating sense, but things you want the most are like are pining after that happens, and you're like, okay, well that was a bit too much build up for that one. Uh-huh. Um, are you glad you did it though? I'm glad I did it because I would have never known yeah. what what could have yeah. been. I would have always thought what could have been. Yeah. Yeah, and to this day, he's my only friend, like close, close friend. That I have slept with. <laughs> and yeah. I think I will keep it that way. Yeah. Just because of past experience. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, sounds like a great person yeah. for it to happen with. I do love a good friends to lovers trope. Do you? However. Mm. Yeah. But he, I think, was too close of a friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Friend, friends to lovers is a, is a, it's a complicated thing among, I think, like, sapphic people, like queer women, because there's so much... Like, at least the way society operates, like, women are, st- like, 
so like supposed to like bond together and like when you talk you're talking about emotions and feelings and then when it turns it's some the lines between like what's platonic and what's not become blurred which is why i don't like to flirt with my friends because it, it stresses me out because i'm like i don't want this to turn into something because uh-huh. like it has and it's been like i don't regret those experiences but it's just so stressful where it's like i don't like this is so there's so much more weight to this because i don't want to hurt my friend uh-huh. i feel the <laughs> same exact way i'm always so worried that like what if something goes wrong? I could not bear the thought of losing, yeah. like losing you as a friend. Yeah. That I, I would rather like be okay just thinking about what could have been than yeah. losing this like extremely important yeah. person in mm-hmm. my life. Yeah. I've had a lot of lovers. Well, I say a lot of maybe like two or three lovers to friends oh, yeah. trope where I had never met them before. We went on a few dates. We hooked up and then... I, like, decided, oh, I don't really see, like, a romantic relationship really forming between us, but I would love to be friends. And it ended up now, like, like, my friend Brendan and I, I think they had reached out to me on Tinder, and, like, we went on a few dates, and then I was like, I'm not really comfortable in, like, a romantic sense. Then we went to Friends with Benefits, and then still I was like, I don't want to continue, like, doing anything if we're not gonna pursue anything romantically yeah and now we're like super close that's awesome oh that's so great it's it if you if you communicate and you talk about it it's a thing that can happen and it's super cool because it's like clearly there's a connection on some level Mm -hmm. that's like very deep and it's like why why just give that up (laughs) because it's not gonna work out romantically yeah i think that's something that like you said oppositely with like femme people but with like mask like lovers to friends is a very common thing mm, okay, of yeah. like you start like I'm thinking the, fr- about it, yeah. the first date <laughs> you hook up and then you decide oh this is not for me but we're gonna stay super close uh-huh. like <laughs> i think about that with a lot of my like queer guy friends or like more like mask friends where like a lot of people within our little circles like hooked up at first and then realized, oh, this really isn't the best option if we still want to, like, maintain a relationship. But, like, we would love to stay friends. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's a... Because I feel like sometimes I get on my high horse about being queer and I'm like, ah, queer people are, like, so good at, like, you know, being communicative and, like, talking things through and, like... But I think that it's probably not the case. Like, I'm sure there are straight people who go from, like, lovers to friends mm-hmm. and can and can handle it. But I feel like it's more of a common thing among queer people. I don't know if you feel the same way. I don't know if this is a taboo thing. For me, it's definitely like a confirmation bias thing of there are a lot of people I have slept with where I don't talk to them anymore. Uh-huh. Like, there are only a handful of cases um, where the lovers to friends has happened. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. Yeah. No. Well, yeah, any other thoughts on dating? and like i mean if we want to open up a whole like tangent i think about my thoughts are would definitely be very disjointed because i've never put into words i've only like just thought a couple passing thoughts about in my head but specifically about in more like gay circles or like with like men and mask people on like dating and like hookup culture yeah is a whole whole thing Uh uh-huh this is what I've gathered. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you have like one or two thoughts you want to say, I would love to hear what you think. 
I don't want to say anything that I, yeah. but I will say grinder is bad for a lot of people's mental health and their relationship <laughs> to sex. Yeah. That's my main thought right now. I definitely have a lot of more thoughts about it and how it's affect. I could talk about how it's affected me, mm-hmm. but I know my relationship to like grinder specifically has very much led me to the point very recently of, I really don't like sleeping around if I don't have an emotional connection to that Mm -hmm. person. And I think it took me so long to realize that because at least in like gay and mask mask circles, there's that like er everyone just sleeps around. Mm -hmm. Like you, you go on grinder, you text somebody, you hook up with somebody, you leave. It's like totally. And like for some people that is totally fine. Like Mm -hmm. if that is, if they're, if they want to do that, Totally. But specifically for me, it became just a way to get attention and have like my ego boosted about like, like physically. I Mm -hmm. think in our circles, like physicality is so important. And that I don't think that's obviously a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want there to be a lot of emphasis on like personality and who you are as a person and what values you hold. But I'm sure. What do you know about Grinder? <laughs> I mean, basically everything you said is something I've like I've heard before. Like I'm, and I also I'm in a on Facebook. I'm in a group that's it's called Subtle Subtle Queer Asian Traits, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of queer men on there, and they talk about their unfortunate experiences on Grinder. Often when it, like Asian men, like there's a lot of racism. There's a lot of like fat phobia. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of just like really tox a lot of toxicity because. Yeah. Looking for fit mask yeah, mm-hmm. men around my age. Um, mask for mask, no femmes. Yeah. Like like you list it's it's a resume of physicality. You list your height, your weight, your position, your race, your body type, yeah, your tribes, which is like geek, leather, daddy, yeah. otter. But I think I did it so much for two reasons. One, like anybody, I get horny. And like, I need to do something about it. But also, I think I just wanted to fit with that stereotype because like, yeah, I I thought that's what I was supposed to be. Like, I thought you were like more gay or cooler. or I would fit into these spaces or be accepted into these spaces more with the more people I slept around with. Yeah. And like by meeting people that way. And Obviously, like, I had good experiences with it, but time and time again, I found if I established an emotional connection with that person that I liked, 99% of the time, I had a better time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of times if I just met someone, texted them, come over, they left, this is going to sound like so... The only word that's coming to mind is, like, cinematic, but I felt, like, empty uh-huh. a lot of times because I was like... I personally didn't want it to be only physical. Yeah. It felt like all they cared about and sometimes all I cared about because like I did that too. I am yeah. was part of the problem yeah. too when I was doing it so much of like I only cared about them physically. If they were sad that like or mad at me or like depressed that they I didn't want to see them again like in like the thick of it I was like boo hoo it's grinder like <laughs> that's what a lot a lot of people's bios yeah. are like not expecting much it's grinder or like not looking for a relationship it's grinder like what did you expect yeah yeah a lot of people's profile pictures are literally just their abs <laughs> like faceless torso yeah 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 and 
it's a, it's addicting. Like it is truly an addiction. The I when I tell you the amount of times I deleted it and re-downloaded it, deleted it and re-downloaded because like this is not good for my mental health. I I scroll yeah. and just look, and I would want someone to message me. This is I think when I it was the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and like re- recently, like I still have problems with it. Like mm-hmm. where I would think of it as like a challenge yeah. of like this person I need to get them to message me back or like to for them to like hang out and hook up because that means I am attractive enough I'm cool enough I'm Mm -hmm. gay enough and once that happened I'm like okay challenge fulfilled move on to the Mm -hmm. next person and like if someone messaged me first I'm like oh this like I already know you think I'm attractive I need to think this person who's like so stereotypically and like fits that like gay like like archetype of like muscular masculine like that's like what's pushed down a lot of our throats of like that's the best thing like a gay man can be is like muscular and fit those are the people i would want the attention from because that means i've succeeded Mm -hmm. and it it was like bad It it was bad and what do you think like helped you realize that or like get out of that mentality i think like before with coming out i just got tired of i realized after so many experiences i didn't leave them happy or like feeling better i felt either the same or worse yeah and i was like this this isn't working i always had the best experience no matter what with the per what the person looked like physically if i had a good emotional connection mm-hmm. with them those were the experiences where i left feeling better than when it started yeah looking at the evidence that's just what it is and yeah because now i find if i find your personality attractive if we have stuff in common automatically that's going to make you more physically attractive to me yeah no matter what i think that's general that's how it goes like like yeah i say so many like stereotypically attractive people who are really boring like i end up not being (laughs) like yeah I, i don't find them attractive because like physically they might be what a lot of like the gay community find like the prime example but like i think they're boring so i don't find them attractive <laughs> i love that i love it <laughs> i don't know that just makes me like it's such a good realization to have and i feel like people you're 100 percent not alone in the way you feel about that and i think like having spoken i mean i i mean i realized i don't have a ton of like queer guy friends or mask friends but like of those i've spoken to they feel similarly about it and have mm-hmm. have similar opinions although some of them i think like really do enjoy like a culture yeah. of sleeping around but i think that I, I don't know i'm just glad that you like shared that because i feel like that's very honest and very something that probably a lot of people want to hear but don't always hear yeah and i do want to say like two things one i still find myself having those thoughts sometimes and i need to like remember paul this is not going to be a good experience like you shouldn't follow through with this and this isn't to say like it was all for nothing obviously like i met cool people like i met queer people who had really cool experiences and i just got to like expand my community here in boston and on like a personal level i got to explore my sexuality things Mm -hmm. i was interested in things that i was not interested in (laughs) things that turn me on turn me off and like i'm grateful for that yeah um, yeah yeah no that's all like if you don't have any experiences you like maybe regret later in life like there's no you haven't mm-hmm. really lived at all <laughs> yeah so yeah that's great 
just because it's still on my mind. Do you know about Sniffies? No. Yeah. So it it's like Grinder on steroids where oh? it shows you, you know how like Snap Map? Yeah. It's basically Snap Map, but your profile, your like Bitmoji is just a picture of your like ass or your dick or your abs. Oh my God. Like that is it. And you can like point to which ones you like, which one, your stats, what you're looking for, and then like click, message them. People will host like orgies on there. It is like that on steroids. Wow. And again, I just want to end it on like some people like love it. And I'm like very, very happy for them about it. It's like, it's genuinely is cool. See yeah. how like no. sexually open people yeah. are with each other. No, I think that's interesting. Cause I also, I'm like, when you said that, like my first thought was not like, Oh, that's weird. I'm judging it. It was like thinking about this book I read recently that was set in like, 1800s England it was about like a probably would be considered a lesbian today like a woman who decided to start like dressing like a boy and like walk around the city and she like she like found herself like in situations where there were like gay men like who like wanted to have sex with her and it was just like it was like a it was like a very like subtle sort of thing that would happen where they would just like be on the street like there'd be like eye contact and then it would be like, okay, I know that this is like what we're doing here, uh-huh. and like, I'm um, obviously that still happens. Yeah. But With, I, like the handkerchiefs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it also is like now technology. Like, imagine if those people had this uh-huh. technology, <laughs> and they could just be like, I don't even have to like do the whole eye contact thing. I can just be like, tap. Yeah. Okay, let's go. <laughs> um, What's the name of that book? Um, it's called Tipping the Velvet. Okay. Um, I'm in my. Uh, I've just gotten back into the reading now that oh, I graduated. Nice. Yeah. So I will. It's a great tipping the velvet. It's a great. It was. It was good. The author wrote like an afterword on it, and she she wrote it like right after she finished college. So she was like basically reflecting on it, being like, "Yeah, I was really young when I wrote this. This, this character sucks, but I still don't <laughs> regret writing it." And I was like, "Yeah, I agree. Uh, it was definitely a very. It was a very interesting mm-hmm. book." The last thing I want to mention about Grinder is I have a lot of like phrases in my life that i like hold very true to my values or like things i believe yeah i believe that most things are not inherently bad it's how they are used mm, how like i don't yeah. think grinder earth something like sniffies is inherently bad it is how you choose to use it and how yeah. like what reason are you using it yeah. for if you're using it to explore your sexuality and you just if you like sex and you like exploring around like that's awesome and like just meeting people the reason i think it is because like i still have problems with it but i i'm trying to become more aware of it is that i was using it for attention yeah like boosting my own ego Mm -hmm. of like i'm good enough yeah yeah i think that's a i love that phrase that's something like i feel like a lot of growing up for me has been realizing that things are not black and white and Mm -hmm. honestly a lot of being queer has been like oh things are not set in stone a certain way and like things are not good bad it's really just there's so much nuance to it and if you realize something is not serving you it doesn't mean it's it's a very bad thing it just means bad for you yeah in that circumstance i'm just wondering sort of a a combo question Were, were there any certain things that helped you like figure out your sexuality or like come to terms with it and therefore like anything that you want to 
that you would want to tell like queer kids now that you think would have been helpful to hear yeah i think the main thing is albeit not being in a safe situation like actually like you coming out could cause harm to yourself or like people will you might like lose shelter or things like that Mm -hmm. taking away having everything else like being equal the only thing holding myself back from coming out was myself like my i was like a prisoner of my own mind looking back on all of my experiences i was the only person holding myself back from coming out it was all my own like assumptions of how people would react how i would end up like going Mm -hmm. about like holding myself in the world and if i just got like past my own ego of like oh i like this is how i think people are going to react to me this is like how i think my life is going to become if i come out like i would have come out so much earlier i'm very grateful for when i did and the Mm -hmm. experiences that happened because of that but yeah in like a nutshell I was the only person holding myself back Mm. from coming out. Yeah, I guess I not that I want to challenge that because that was very like honest to I think how you feel. And I think I I definitely feel the same way. I was like, oh, things would have been fine if I had just done it. I also feel like it's like you were also a victim of society. And like that's that's true. You got to take that into account. Like it wasn't just that you yourself in this situation like i guess don't be too hard on yourself because it's yeah. like it is hard and it is hard in this like like where we are mm-hmm. that i don't mean to, like no like, i i no, you're wrong i like that. i, <laughs> I wanna, appreciate like, it yeah i like when people challenge me <laughs> because it forces me to like reconsider my beliefs evaluate them be like okay like let me see why i believe this what are, what evidence what am i using to support my own beliefs and like talk about it with someone mm-hmm. yeah I mean, yeah, and I think, like, I mean, obviously, I, I still agree with, like, everything you said there. Like, I think it is, it's it's easy when you're caught up in your own thoughts. And, like, I think for me, too, like, when I'm caught up in, like, what I think and what I worry everyone's going to think, you realize that it's actually not as big of a deal as you think it is. And I've, I've found that for myself. And I think hearing that when I was younger would have been very helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Also, one thing I wish I would have told myself when I was younger is at least in early college, find new friends. (laughs) (laughs) Like you, you will be able to find new friends. If you leave this group, I was like, so worried that if I like went and looked for a different group of people that I would end up alone. Like I I have what I have and I have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. You will find a community Mm -hmm. if you put your mind to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that too. I feel like it feels when you're like in the moment as a freshman, I was like, this feels very life and death. Like this mm-hmm. one person is very integral to my experience, even though I don't think they're that great of a person. But it's like, if I drop them, what am I going to do? What like my life will be ruined. And then you're like, oh, uh-huh. that, dropping that person did not ruin everything. Actually, <laughs> finding friends as a freshman in college was so stressful Uh huh. because it's like everyone you, you want to find your group and then like stick to them. And then, like most people, you don't really stay friends with your yeah. like first semester. Yeah. <laughs> friends. Yeah. Is there anything else that you like? Anything you were like? Oh, I wish we talked about this. I just want to pretty much end it on like queer people are cool. Everyone has something to bring to the table, and it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the other only other thing I have is like like what's the best part about being queer and Me- meeting other queer people? Yeah. I love like meeting people and just like talking to them and getting to learn about their experiences and like seeing like what our common interests are how do we fit together and just like getting to see how big 
uh-huh. expansive this community is and how different everybody is, but also how similar, like I was saying before, how different all of our interests are. Some are really in the political sphere. Some are in the music. Some are in activism and performance and science. And like, even though we all have these little different groups, like our queerness still connects us. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. really fun. And I love, I love meeting people. I just love people. <laughs> That's beautiful. I I do too. That's why I'm here right now talking to you. That's, ah, I love it. Thank you so much for coming today and sharing things. And I I really love to hear your perspective. It's so, it's just so interesting. It gives me, gives me a lot to think about. I'm going to keep thinking about Mm -hmm. it (laughs) probably for, for this week. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I'm really glad that you're doing this project. I had a really good time and you're super cool. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We're going to sign off now. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I don't know who I'm waiting at. Hi there. This is Sophia. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of I Don't Know Any Straight People Anymore with Paul. I am so sorry for the delay on getting this episode out. I appreciate your patience greatly, but the hate mail was unnecessary, guys. Come on. Okay, I'm kidding. I didn't get hate mail. You got me. They should have me doing stand-up. Our cover art is by Des Bennett, who's at Art by Des on Instagram. See the show notes for music credits. You can follow us on Instagram at IDK Any Straight People. Look up the spelling in the show notes if that's confusing. You can also email me at IDKASPA at gmail.com. I don't know any straight people anymore can be found on most streaming platforms. I'm not going to make any promises about the next time an episode will be out because I'm not sure I can keep them, but rest assured it will be soon. 